Good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Knute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll chat with Manitoba Agriculture Cereal Specialist Ann Kirk. And at first, in today's country comment, market analyst Tyler Fulton will join us to talk about the Smithfield Foods pork plant closure in South Dakota. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Smithfield Foods has announced that its Sioux Falls, South Dakota facility will remain closed until further notice due to an outbreak of COVID-19 among employees. The plant is one of the largest pork processing facilities in the U.S., representing 4-5% to of U.S. pork production. I talked about the closure with market analyst Tyler Fulton. The plant um, is one of the largest in the United States, um, and it, uh, it, it really does deliver a... Uh, a scary blow to the to the situa- to the um, hog industry and to the hog market, um, just because of the the uh, size of the plant and how much it represents in terms of total capacity. So we've been running um, hog slaughter about five percent higher than year ago levels so far this year, which is a big increase. And what what that means is that we've brought the the supply of hogs higher, um, and and we're we're relatively close to the total ability to be able to slaughter those hogs. And so, with a plant that represents, um, I think about four to five percent of the total U.S. slaughter, um, for it to be down, um, you know, for an indefinite period of time. It brings a ton of uncertainty, and what it also does is it displaces a ton of hogs that would normally flow into that plant and send them elsewhere. I, I think it's safe to say that um, there's going to have to be some type of rationing that happens and where hog, you know, producers will have to hold um, hogs back. Um, <clears throat> if they can get them booked into a different plant, then... Then that's um, then that's what they'll do. But there'll be there'll be large numbers that um, that will be put into positions where they're they're holding they're trying to hold supplies, but their their barn simply cannot stop producing. Um, and so it's it, it it creates some real logistical problems, but um, some real mar- problems on the market as well. Now, um, in the in the news release, uh, Smithfield uh, President uh, Kenneth Sullivan um, was quoted as uh, talking about uh, uh, the U.S. is on the brink of a meat shortage with a number of shutdowns across the across the country. Uh, just a, a comment on that. I think it's important to kind of keep context here, and um, the U.S. does export about twenty five percent of its product. Now, it's not all. It's not. Um, all of the cuts that are produced from a, you know from a pig, um, it's um, you know th- there's more certain more of certain cuts that are shipped you know that are exported and and sold abroad than others. Um, I think that there is a concern um, that if more of these more and more of these plants end up shutting down and and stopping production, um, that it could that it could come back. But but what I would say is that there'll be you know, there could be shortages of certain high-demand products that are consumed at home, but a lot of products that are consumed typically in restaurants, um, like ribs or like or or bacon, 
um, where where that product is predominantly in North America consumed in restaurants, um, those products will still be likely available in some way. And so uh, I think it, there might be shortages of certain cuts, um, but it, it seems to me like we, we are still a little ways off from from seeing a reduction of, you know, approximately 25% in the total U.S. slaughter. That was Tyler Fulton with Ham's Marketing Services talking about the closure of Smithfield Foods Pork Plant in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Smithfield Foods has announced that its Sioux Falls, South Dakota facility will remain closed until further notice due to an outbreak of COVID-19 among employees. The plant is one of the largest pork processing facilities in the U.S., representing 4-5% of U.S. pork production. Smithfield President and CEO Kenneth Sullivan says with a number of shutdowns across the country, the U.S. is on the brink of a meat shortage. Canada's food supply is at stake if we can't get enough workers. That from Prince Edward Island Senator Diane Griffin, who notes foreign workers will be unable to work for 14 days after arriving. The importance of filling these positions is that the impact on our food chain is huge. First of all, if we don't get the crops planted in the first place, then we've got a problem. There's not going to be enough food right from the very beginning. Secondly, if we do get them planted, then how do we get them harvested? A group of senators has written a letter to the federal government with a number of recommendations surrounding foreign workers and Canada's food supply. They would like to see Canadian workers receive financial incentives to fill the positions normally occupied by foreign workers. And there are many factors that determine how well a crop yields. Manitoba Agriculture Cereal Specialist Ann Kirk talked about the importance of seeding a crop on time. So by the fourth week of May, we do see that yield potential has dropped to below 80% of average for uh, spring wheat, barley, corn, field pea, sunflowers. Oats, canola, and soybeans, uh, according to mass data, remain above 85% of average yield potential. Seeding, you know, in the second, third week of May, you might not see that much of a drop in yield potential for a lot of crops. Uh, but looking, seeding at the beginning of June, you'd obviously see some, some bigger drops depending on the crop. Kirk says it's important to let the field dry up before starting spring field operations. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Monday, April 13th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Glenda Lee Allen Vossler chats with the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association about the impact of COVID-19. Today, Glenda Lee Allen Vossler chats with Ryder Lee, the CEO of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association, about the impact of COVID-19. So what kind of an impact is it having for the beef sector for producers? Well, it depends on, you know, producers means we're so varied in, in Canada and it really is varied between even Western and Eastern Canada. I know uh, if you're a person who calves cows and, and sells calves in the fall and, you know, it might have impacted your, if you were selling some yearlings or something in the last month, there, there might have been in that impact or there might be not much and you've been kind of self-isolating already as, as calving season can make a person do. So there's there's that kind of not very much impact right up to, you know, you get into Ontario and Quebec and they lost a packing plant and, and they've got dairy farmers who are culling 
faster than they would and and it's really noticeable really quick where they they've lost, they're losing not able to get bids and their market is is way off so it's it's everywhere all the way across but here with our processing capacity continuing on i think uh that's that's been the number one ask and as long as we can keep that going hopefully we can keep it as close to normal as possible and as long as people keep showing up in grocery stores and, and buying beef that helps too the loss of that packing plant in the east is it going to have much impact out here well it all backs up you know um there's there's ontario feeders that buy saskatchewan calves and their profitability is is hit then yeah we do see that we're on kind of the western edge of that market and and they've been in a tough situation since riding regency closed in september and losing the moyer plant as well means even worse so you, you know you can't probably say oh that happened and then this happened in saskatchewan but you cannot say that saskatchewan's not impacted when the ontario business is not rolling along well what about at the the marketing level as far as our our auction barns or our sales are concerned well you know you, you listen to your sponsors during your show and you can tell that uh, things have changed a little there as far as you know only buyers are allowed inside lots of things going online we're just at the tail end of bull season bull sale season sorry and, and there was lots of adaptation happening there and i think a lot of a push to online but you know luckily our province and and, and our country has prioritized the food supply and and that genetic improvement that buying bulls is is for next year and the year after and and, and that was recognized as needing to go on so everything looked different this year but i've sure heard some some pretty decent reports of of sales and 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 that's been in a wide geography so i think people are looking you know not just to next week but to next year and the year out and and recognize that this will pass and and we got to make long-term decisions rider lee is ceo of the saskatchewan cattlemen's association for golden west i'm glendalee allen bossler Thanks, Glenda Lee. Last week, the USDA released its April WASDE report. Bill Tierney with Ag Resource Company in Chicago talked about some things to watch for in the weeks ahead. Near term, uh, there's there's two things that uh, are likely to be impacting the market. One is uh, whether or not China is going to come in and buy soybeans from the United States. We think they will, but unfortunately, we don't think it's going to be all crop soybeans. Um, that's important because we think the USDA is currently overestimating soybean, old crop soybean exports by as much as two to 300 million bushels. Uh, they did bring down their export projection, 75 million bushels. We think they could bring it down another two to 300 million bushels before the end of the year. Um, so if China does come in and buy, we think what they're going to be buying is new crop. The reason is they have made record purchases of Brazilian soybeans, and they just don't need to buy um, old crop beans from the United States. The other thing that we need to keep an eye on is uh, whether, as it impacts the Brazilian safrina crop, the second crop 
Roughly 75% of Brazil's corn production is that second crop. Uh, it's just entering the most critical pollination and filling stage, and uh, this is the dry season in Brazil. So we need to watch uh, Brazilian weather uh, and uh, its yield prospects for the Brazilian safrinha crop. This is really important to the market because last year, Brazil was the world's largest corn exporter. They exported roughly 2 million metric tons more than the United States did. So uh, it's very important that they have uh, a good crop. The last thing is uh, planting progress for the North American crops. Uh, Right now it's cool. Uh, There's anticipation that planting will get started slowly. So I would say over the next, uh, say, four to six weeks, people are going to be watching North American planting very closely. That was Bill Tierney with Ag Resource Company in Chicago. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Knute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Verified Beef Production Plus webinars are taking place every Tuesday at 7 o'clock. You can register by emailing verifiedbeefmanitoba at gmail.com. The Livestock Markets Association of Canada annual convention has been postponed. The Animal Nutrition Conference of Canada also postponed and the Manitoba Summer Fair has been cancelled. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon. Today on the program, we're joined by Manitoba Agriculture Cereal Specialist Ann Kirk. Seeding may be delayed depending on uh, the fall. So a lot of people were doing field work, um, you know, combining late into uh, the fall later than normal and weren't able to get a lot of field work done. So, you know, if people need to be doing tillage operations or seedbed prep in the spring. Uh, seeding may be delayed depending on the weather. So depending on how wet it is, uh, people will be able to get in the field and then we'll have to, still have to do some what they would normally consider fall field work before um, seeding. So we may be looking at delay in seeding. So we want to do some considerations for, um, you know, crop choice, uh, when people should be seeding and, you know, how to get the crop established as best as possible. What sort of impact uh, does that have on yield, um, you know, if, if the crop is seeded a little bit later? Well, we've looked at Manitoba um, crop insurance data, and they have data on the relative yield uh, for planting in each week of May and June. So it really depends on the crop. Uh, if you look at, um, so by the fourth week of May, we do see that yield potential has dropped to below 80% of average for uh, spring wheat, barley, corn, field pea, sunflowers, um, oats, canola, and soybeans, uh, according to mass data, remain above 85% of average yield potential. So, you know, seeding, you know, in the second, third week of May, you might not see that much of a drop in yield potential for a lot of crops. Uh, but looking, seeding at the beginning of June, you'd obviously um, see some, some bigger drops depending on the crop. Now, how important is it um, to to make sure that the field is dry before uh, seeding? Yeah, it's really important that the field is dry enough to actually carry equipment. So we don't want to be looking at um, compacting the soil because uh, that can lead to delays in emergence and some you know bigger issues down the road. So really, just waiting a couple of extra days uh, until the field is dry enough to actually properly drive on without compacting the soil. Um, 
may result in, you know, the crop coming up faster and having a better plant stand than if you, you know, mucked it in under wet conditions and um, caused some problems during seeding and then also just down the road with, with soil compaction. Now, um, how might crop choice, how, how might that be affected by uh, conditions here this spring? Yeah, I think it really just depends on um, the area that people are in and how early they're able to get into the field to do field work. So if we do end up having a, a relatively dry spring, then crop choice may not uh, be impacted at all. Uh, it's just kind of, I was more thinking if we're waiting until the end of May, middle of May, before we're actually able to start seeding, then people might want to look to seed more crops that may do better uh, seeded a bit later. And it is also important to contact um, mask. If you are looking at seeding late crops, just to see when the seeding date deadlines are and to make sure that you're fitting into that uh, that system. Any other factors that um, you would like to highlight? Sure. I think that it's really important uh, during, during seeding and every year to just really um, make sure that you're doing the best job possible and actually getting the seed in the ground. So, um, you know, making sure that the seed's placed at the depth you actually want it to, not driving too fast in the field and having you know, uneven seed placement uh, is important. So you want the crop to just germinate as quickly as possible and as even as possible to have, you know, good germination and emergence. So that also takes into consideration planting good quality seed with high germination uh, that's disease-free. And also just making sure you're targeting a proper plant stand and seeding rate. That was Ann Kirk, cereal specialist with Manitoba Agriculture. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The federal government is investing $50 million to help farmers, fish harvesters, and all food production and processing employers put in place the measures necessary to follow the mandatory 14-day isolation period required of all workers arriving from abroad. The Government of Canada has granted an exemption for temporary foreign workers, from travel restrictions to Canada, along with other foreigners with student and work visas. The government will provide support of $1,500 for each temporary foreign worker to employers or those working with them to ensure requirements are fully met. The program will be available as long as the Quarantine Act is in force and the isolation protocol is followed. While most farmers have their seeding plans in place, a wet spring may result in some last-minute changes. And Kirk is a cereal specialist with Manitoba Agriculture. If we do end up having a, a relatively dry spring, then crop choice may not be impacted at all. More thinking if we're waiting until the end of May, middle of May, before we're actually able to start seeding, then people might want to look to seed more crops that may do better uh, seeded a bit later. And it is also important to contact um, MASK if you are looking at seeding late crops just to see when the seeding date deadlines are and to make sure that you're fitting into that, uh, that system. She notes early seeding favors higher yields but does not guarantee them. And G3 is extending its Grow Beyond scholarship due to the COVID-19 outbreak. The deadline for applications is now May 1st. G3 is working with Agriculture and the Classroom Canada to run the annual scholarship, which will be awarded for the first time this June. Those interested in applying can go to g3growbeyond.org. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.